Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah, release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. So if you think about it starting at the beginning, like this little spiral, but over time it's getting wider and wider. Your soul is expanding. Your consciousness is expanding. You have so much more experience. That's the whole point to have the experience, to have the recognition of your power, which we all have this innate divine power of the universe within us, but we only remember it in the dark. Hi, my name is Mark Groves, and I'm obsessed with understanding human behavior and why we do what we do. In this podcast, I interview the world's most brilliant minds and hearts, where I get to explore alongside you every subject you can imagine relating to our human experience and how we relate. It is my deepest intention that we all learn how to create the life and love that we've always dreamt of. Now, before we get rolling, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And one ask that I have, and an amazing way that you can help support the podcast is by wherever you listen to it, giving it a five-star review and a written review. With all that said, let's dive in and transform our lives. Welcome to the Mark Rose Podcast. Today, I have Leah Brathwaite. Hello. <laughs> Hello, returning guest. Last time we really got into the letting go of old stories and stepping into your true story, true authentic self. Is that is that the fair yeah. term? Deepest truth, authentic self, your most resonant aspect of self. Yeah. And I know you have a story that is about all of that. Like for, you know, there's sometimes people write not from any experience. Like sometimes people write things or like advice and, and that's fine. You know, it comes from an intellectual place and, and they've learned steps one, two, three, four to release it, whatever. But like yours is a very lived experience, like very lived. And I think when that occurs, it comes from a different part of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's a continuation of being lived in my human design. I'm meant to be experimenting, living, doing things. I kind of tried the things by fire, get burned just to make sure that that fire is hot. And then I can turn around and be like, hey, guys, don't do that. That sucks. <laughs> That's not the way to do it. Here's a better way. <laughs> I just burnt my ass off. Exactly. I have half an ass now. I <laughs> laugh because we just had, Kai and I did, we had a, a birth doula named Sarah Soleil. And when we did a session with her about 
Jasper, she was saying, well, Jasper's work will very much follow his father's work, which I was like, that's pretty sweet. What are we going to be doing? And he, <laughs> he, this is so funny because it's so Mark, she said, Mark's lessons are going to be lived now. I was like, what? I've already had a lot of lessons. I don't, I'm not done a lot of them. Like I still got big ones. And she's like, yeah. And Jasper's will be like through the early part of his life. And Kai is already done most of them. But like the majority of her lessons came early. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I laugh what you're saying, like the continued lessons, man, they never, they don't stop coming. And I think what creates a lot of suffering is the illusion that it's done or the illusion that awakening is a completion, you know, unless you're like Eckhart Tolle and you wake up homeless on a bench and all of a sudden you're fucking, I don't even know. Like, I mean, at that point you've done enough. <laughs> right. Right. And then I was like, that's your pain body. Now, and so I'm, you know, or Byron Katie who woke up in a moment when there was like a bug on her leg. Cockroaches, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, that cockroach doesn't think, it doesn't have beliefs that cause suffering. And, you know, I remember her family saying that she was forever different after that day. So I haven't experienced that, but if a cockroach visits and that's how I do it, perfect. I am crazy. <laughs> yeah, like I'm understanding how perception creates suffering. And I can unlay, I've been listening to Letting Go by David Hawkins, which is incredible. And it's really a lot about that. And yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get deeper into all of it. So where does it start? Let's go back, not to, yeah, let's go back to the r romantic moment that you were created. The romantic, that one wild night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, maybe you can give us some, some like prep us. Start us at the beginning. Totally. I mean, it wasn't homeless like on a bench and it wasn't cockroaches like crawling all over me, but it was a pivotal moment in my kitchen where I literally had this experience of two aspects of myself like emerging at the same time or just being aware that there was two aspects of myself. Here I was in this like dream home that we had just finished building. I had like the quote unquote perfect life. I was married. I was going to church. I was doing all the things I was supposed to. The checklist was complete. And as I'm putting away my groceries this one day in particular, something inside of me just said not for another second. And I call these moments like, oh shit moments. You can call them awakening moments. For me, it was this feeling of like, oh shit, something's happening. Because I was distinctly aware of this inner voice and my physical self being almost separate. It was like an out-of-body experience, but it was almost like a deeper in-body experience. And it was this sense of looking around at everything that I had perfectly curated from like home sense and all the designer shops and everything was looking perfect. And I felt like a stranger in my life. I couldn't recognize myself in any of it. I felt completely empty and incredibly anxious about my life because I was like, what am, what, what am I even doing here? Like, how did I get here? It didn't feel like I was part of that life. And that was the moment that things started to shift because it was a moment where I had an opportunity to actually acknowledge the truth that I had been taught to repress, that I had then repressed on my own volition of this sense of I'm not living 
my authentic truth. I'm trying to be what everybody wants me to be. I'm trying to make everybody else happy. I'm trying to be the good girl. I'm trying to be the good wife. I'm trying to be the good, all of the things. And it's costing me my soul. It's costing me a part of myself that I didn't even recognize. So that was my moment of awakening. And I think we have many of these opportunities in our lives. They're often more subtle, but we wait until we get like the cosmic two by four or we're broken on the street or whatever, the heartbreak, the job loss, the illness for us to realize that there's something more going on in our lives and within ourselves than the day to day that we get caught up in. Yeah. It's interesting how we learn to miss or not listen to that voice, which I think comes at such a young age generally. So you know, I think it's loud when you're young because it is just your voice, <laughs> you know, like it's not the voice. It's funny how when we're disconnected from it, it has this sort of etheric, you know, like your soul speaks and calls out to you. Yeah. It's like, no, that's all of you. That's you. It's just you. <laughs> it's not then surprising that it's when you have no more energy to fight for a fake self, when everything that you thought was valuable and you built value upon gets taken from you or you lose or, you know, your health starts to suffer. And then all of a sudden you're like, what really fucking matters to me in this lifetime? And I remember one time being standing in the kitchen and what everything happens in the kitchen. Magical place. <laughs> right. It really is. I standing in the kitchen in San Diego and I was with Kai and I can't remember if anyone else was there, but I remember I had, uh, I think I had, I'd either eaten an edible or like smoked just a bit of weed, which those are not my jam generally, but it was like just a bit. And I remember hearing, she's not your person. And the weight of that, like there was like a knowing to that because she wasn't in that moment, right? She's not my wife and we have a kid. But in that previous iteration, that was true, which I think is important to notice that something can be true in a moment and then get back into alignment. But in that moment, that voice, I didn't want to hear that, but I knew it was true. But I thought, oh, I can fight through this or we can change that, you know, whatever. And I remember that like kind of haunting me, you know, because I wasn't fully owning it. Eventually I shared it with her and, you know, eventually we did break up. But yeah, it's, I just find it sad, but also a part of the process. So I'd never want to rob people from it. But I find it sad that, that we are so distanced from something that is so important for the compass of our life. Like when you heard that, was there an immediate action or were you like, uh, we'll just pretend that didn't happen. I'll pray more. I'll do whatever. Well, here's the thing. I had heard similar knowings in the past and I was like, well, I don't like the sounds of that. It's going to make me do something that is going to be really uncomfortable. I'm going to have to change something about my current operating system. And then that's going to cause ripples. And then what are people going to think? And da, 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 da. So I had all of these other stories on top of it. And that's often what happens when our intuition comes in. It's clear. It's not dramatic or anything. It's literally just like, she's not your person. Not for another second. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't care about your feelings. Make another choice. Or it's not this like wild exclamation. It's really like a, a subtle sort of thing. <laughs> totally. It's all of this stuff on top of it that creates all of this resistance and chaos where you start to realize like, oh my gosh. To be in alignment, I will have to change something about what's happening right now. And to change something about what's happening right now, 
it changes my identity. It changes my path. It changes any certainty that I have in this moment. And the last thing humans are programmed for in our mental reptilian brain is for change and uncertainty. So we're going to come up with all of these stories to try to make a square peg fit into a round hole and not do the thing that we know is true. And in my case, I had many instances that were leading up to it. So I had gotten into a career that ended up, I knew it wasn't what I was meant to do. It was just the practical option. I decided to become a dental hygienist instead of traveling the world and teaching English and being adventurous because you can't make money like that. That's a dreamer's job. Like, how are you going to retire on that? And so I thought dental hygiene, not that much school, (laughs) a lot of money. I think I could do this. I like people. Teeth are cool, whatever. So I was in this career for about five years or so, feeling this growing anxiety within this knowing, because you know, when you're not doing what you're meant to be doing, you have that empty soul feeling where you're just like unfulfilled. You're constantly chasing for things. You're like grasping, you're anxious, you're insecure, you're jealous, you're comparing yourself because you feel inadequate because you're not living as your full self. So that was my experience, this growing sense of angst in my life. And thankfully, um, I mean, I see it now as like one of the greatest blessings in my life, but I spontaneously developed a nerve condition that ended my career. It was literally like the universe was like, girl, you need to wake the fuck up. You are not doing the right thing. And so I ended up having this debilitating nerve injury that I was in chronic pain for almost a decade. I wasn't able to work. I was on disability benefits for eight years because I had almost lost full function of my hand at that point. That you would think would be a wake-up call. And I remember distinctly sitting in the car one day with my my husband at the time. We were still married. And I was like, okay, I know that I'm not just a dental hygienist, but I don't know who I am without being a dental hygienist. And I don't know what to do about it. I just felt so lost because I didn't have that pillar of identity that I had created and that I was really clinging to with all my might. So what happened when I lost my career as my identity pillar, I decided to do the next best thing that I figured would make sense would be to double down on going to church. Even though church was this thing that (laughs) we talked about. So if I go to church more, which is for sure the story we're taught too, is like, you know, I heard um, something the other day, maybe it might've been Alan Watts, but the idea that the greatest trick the church ever pulled was to become the broker between you and God, which I was like, oh, that's so powerful to, because it creates a distance from you and God. And then it also makes it so the church can monetize that relationship and also weaponize that relationship by saying, if you're good, this is what good means. Give to your church, da, da, da. And there are obviously good parts of religion. And if you're bad, here's what that looks like. Yeah, it's super interesting. Wild. I love that, actually, terminology, like the brokerage of it. And this is not to discount religion and the fact that it instills great values and that there's merit to it and that the community and the support that comes with it is a wonderful thing. But in my experience, and I can only speak authentically to my experience growing up in the religious community that I was in, it was quite repressive, quite restrictive, really exclusive. Yeah, you were a J-Ho, right? J-Ho, yeah. I call it J-Ho, but I think, what is the actual J-Dub? Jehovah's Witnesses, J-Dub. No, J-Dub. <laughs> I know it's a Jehovah's Witness, but I was like, J-Dub. 
I think the first time we spoke, I called it J-Ho. And I was like, it just flows so good. It's actually J-Dub, but J-Ho's got a good sketchy. Jehovah. Like like Jehovah. <laughs> well, Jehovah's Witnesses, man, there's some, you're not allowed to practice yoga because it's Hindu, right? Yeah. There's a lot that that is, I mean, even therapy is frowned upon because what? it's like an outside source. Well, it comes back of to this counsel. whole. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this outside counsel, but if the premise of religion, the way it's set up is like, there's a mercurial sky daddy that we can communicate with and we can give you the guidebook to not make him mad. And if you only do the things that we say, and by the way, we're the only ones that have this book and we're the only ones that can teach you the right way to do things. You have to listen to us. Otherwise you're going to die. When you're indoctrinated within with that for your entire life, which was my case, it makes it challenging to create an identity outside of that. Because your entire community is wrapped up in this exclusive little bubble of we're the only ones who have the truth. We're going to go out and try to save people, but we're not going to hang out with them because they're bad influences. So we're going to keep it all inside. And if you do decide to leave or if you question it too much or if you do the wrong thing or if you break any of the rules, we're going to kick you out because that's how we show you that we love you. We're going to cut you off completely from your source of community, from your family, from God, until you feel bad enough, repent, and then come back into the fold. So there's not much option there. Like your own intuition is weaponized against you. Satan's got you and like any independent thought is considered out of alignment. Any independent thought that is out of alignment with what the organization professes as like the truth, then that's a remedy for disaster because it'll lead you astray and then you'll get kicked out and then you'll be on your own and then you'll die. <laughs> so that's, a, that's the short version of a life of torment. So is the threat of exile the thing that is always hanging over everyone's head? Other than like making a mistake and then repenting and doing the thing. But if you like step fully against any you get you're gone it's wild like it destroys relationships with families like they will choose to stay inside of the organization and follow the rules rather than support any member of their family because of a difference in ideologies or a difference in beliefs that's how strongly it's indoctrinated into people and so i'm coming from this place where none of this is feeling good in my system. Right. And the antidote to that is to just pray more because obviously I'm the problem. It's me. I'm the problem. It's not, it's not that there's, there's a discord here. So this was the indoctrination that I had, not having my career to hold on to, being disabled, like literally at 23, being told that you're disabled, you're never going to be able to work again. You're going to have this That's chronic- crazy like for the rest of your life, because we don't know, we don't know where it came from. It's weird that it's not healing. And unless you want this radical surgery, these are your options. So my options were like, okay, I'm already like hanging by a thread here. I'm developing deeply this depressive state of being because I'm, I'm like, what is my purpose? Like, who am I even? And the one thing that I can rely on doesn't feel good, but leaving it feels even worse because I'm terrified of being completely on my own. And that was my life for a few years. And so instead of, I tried to do some personal development work. I actually went to the self-help section of chapters one time and was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm in this place. This is like so embarrassing. I hope nobody sees me. I bought a book called 
I think it was like the monk who sold his Ferrari and it was like introducing Robin Sharma and it was like introducing meditation and all of these concepts that were lighting me up inside. But at the same time, I was like, I can't do this and be a good church person. Like it was diametrically opposed in my mind. So I gave up on the meditation thing, doubled down on church until I got to this point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And thankfully, my husband at the time was also in that vein of like, I don't know about this church thing. And we had decided together that we were going to step away from church. We're like, if we stay together, we band together, then we might be okay. And that was sort of the beginning of the opening that I got to experience more of my own truth emerging. I started going to yoga now that I wasn't like scared of being bad. I was like, well, I'm already bad. I'm not going to church. So I might as well just go to yoga. (laughs) And that started to open things up for me. I got to experience myself in a different way. I got to move through things in my body that I had never experienced before. As I was like putting myself in these different shapes and positions, I was noticing emotions that had been trapped for a really long time starting to come out. So yoga was something that brought me deeper into myself. And the more I got to know who I was on this level, the more I got to understand how I worked and the more I got to see like, oh my God, I can't believe I was in that religion for so long. Like what? The more I started to question everything in my life. And I'm like, if all of the decisions I made based on this framework of this religion are kind of moot points now that I'm not in it, what am I doing? And so everything sort of started to unravel. Just the the opening of it started to unravel. And then that moment in the kitchen was almost like the threshold that opens when you're about to empty embark on like a really transformative journey. And it opens for a short amount of time. It gives you the opportunity to step through it. Or if your mind gets in the way, it's going to close before you have the chance to move through to the next level of your deepest self. And so in that moment, as I'm having this like existential crisis where I'm like, okay, I can't keep living like this. And as I'm understanding that, I can literally see like a vision of like, I mean, like everything, like I can't do this marriage. I can't do this house. I can't do the way that I'm operating. And I knew what it meant. If I stepped through this, everything that I knew was going to dissolve. Everything that was out of alignment was going to break away. And so I had this one moment when my ex-husband comes back into the kitchen and he's kind of looking at me like, are you okay? (laughs) What's happening? Like there's something not right here. And for the first time I told the truth and I was like, no. I'm not okay. I don't know what it is, but I think I need to see a therapist. And there was like this internal exhale of my soul finally being released from the confines of like keeping it all together, being perfect, pretending everything's right, smiling all the time, saying everything's okay, not acknowledging any misgivings within myself. And that started this journey of really deep transformation. And so the story that you're, that you referred to at the outset was what I wrote in my first book called a new way of life. And it's really, it's a part memoir, but it's also a part guidebook of the steps that I took to come back into alignment with my truth, to feel liberated within myself and to release the, the truest part of me, which to me is my soul so that it could be what led me through the world instead of my conditioning, my fears, or my, my indoctrination, which was not the truth of who I was. And since then, it's been this continuous evolution of forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering. And it's gotten to this point now where I just finished another cycle of that whole, I don't want to say indoctrination, but this whole 
again, forgetting that the truth of ourselves can only be found within ourselves. The fulfillment that we desire, the success that we're looking for, the happiness that we crave, the love that we want to experience begins from that internal source. And even though I knew that, and even though like I wrote a book about it, I still got swept up into the but maybe they know something I don't know. But I see that person over there doing that thing and I kind of want that too. So maybe if I go and hire that person or go seek that person, they'll be able to tell me what to do. And I learned in a rather adventuresome way that this external focus that we often have drives us further away from ourselves when really if we decide to go deeper inside, the answers to the questions that we're looking for are found within. And so I've had a recent coming back to those practices, to those principles, especially in Kundalini Yoga, that have really activated um, that connection with my my soul, my inner truth, my divine presence that is the source of all the things. And just shifting that perspective back inward instead of the externalization that I was like focused on for so long has once again transformed my life into this miraculous flow that feels really effervescent, that feels really alive, really fulfilling, and really abundant. If you haven't heard me talk about Cozy Earth Sheets before, let me tell you I'm about to introduce you to the greatest sheets you will ever have touch your body. Anytime someone comes to our house and stays in our guest room, they always want to know what is the bed situation? What are the sheets that we have? Their sheets, their comforters, their duvets, everything is magic. Their bedding is naturally breathable. It's temperature regulating. It's so damn soft. It's ethically sourced viscose from bamboo. It's incredible. And the brand was featured on Oprah's favorite thing But before that, it was featured on Mark's favorite things. Like, I discovered this brand years ago before I ever even chatted with them about being a sponsor for the podcast. And because I love their product so much, I asked for an exclusive offer for you, and you get 40% off site-wide. And now they have pajamas. They have, like, loungewear. So not only do you get to wrap yourself in the experience of the sheets as clothing, but you then get to get into the bed in that. So you're, like, double-wrapped. And so all you got to do to save 40% off site-wide is use the code GROVES at checkout. So just my last name, G-R-O-V-E-S. So go to CozyEarth.com. C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H dot com and use the code Groves and you get 40% off all their products. Yeah, you know, it's when we look at our lives, I think it is in these moments of forgetting, these periods of, although they don't feel like it at the time, they really are an adventure to gather more wisdom, you know, to, as you were saying, forget, you forget, you forget the divinity, you forget the power you forget and you touched it, you know, like, but then you don't go back to the original way of being, of course, but, you know, I think about you're just unlocking the layers of indoctrination and whether it's an extreme religion or it's actually just the expectations of who you're supposed to be and what kind of work you're supposed to do, that's still an indoctrination. And To be, you know, I think the saying is from Christ, to be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, and it really is this continued, like, how do you dance between the dimensions? How do you be a soul that's living in a human meat suit, you know, that's making its way on a fucking rock that's flying through the galaxy? Like, any of those individual concepts are mind-shattering to actually try to conceptualize and hold. But together, it's like, 
you're, you know, I think it's, um, I forget who said this, but that the mind can't understand what it's created within. Like it is part of the creation. So it can't, you'll never be able to intellectually understand what is beyond this dimension, this world, this, and of course we'll try as hell to measure it, scientize it or whatever the term is. Um, clearly I'm, yeah, clearly I'm not in charge of that domain. Scientificate, uh, (laughs) which is like pontificating and science together if they had sex. But I think we sometimes experience shame for forgetting. Actually, you know what? I don't think we do experience shame for forgetting. And then we're almost again in the trap of, I know that I have things to undo. I mean, I've done that. I think that's, you know, it's just part of the evolution. As your awareness gets broader, the changes you need to make get broader. Although I do think that the first joining back of the soul is usually a very hard decision that usually involves having to completely step out of it and reject something that you've been taught your value is placed upon. Totally. And I think it's you actually that said something like, I'm going to butcher your own quote, but you can remedy that. (laughs) I'm auditing it right now. Let's hear it. (laughs) Something like you're going to continue, all the things that you put your value in are going to be taken away until you realize that your value is actually within your own self. And to that point of you saying like, we're trying to like scientificate the experience of the magnitude of our being is something that can only really be understood and experienced in these moments where we allow ourselves to to recognize the truth of the moment. So in those moments where you hear an intuition and you're like, where is that coming from? Or what is happening here? It's that recognition that there's something beyond the mind that is speaking. Because it was the mind that was speaking and there wouldn't be such turmoil in the conversation. It would just be spinning the same thought over and over and over again. Right, there wouldn't be conflict. Exactly, it would just be like this harmonious spiraling. It's like, that makes sense. I'll be loved for that. Woohoo! Continue this loop. But when we have those moments of like internal conflict, like you were saying, that decision to do a hard thing, to choose something beyond the value system that we've put our worth into, that's when we start to really experience ourselves. But there's another way of experiencing that divinity, that truth, that authentic part of ourselves. And there's a way to activate it. And there's a way to harness it so that you're using it on a regular basis. And this is what I'm most excited about now coming back from this forgetting, because I knew this shit before and then I forgot. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, no, wait, it really does work. So what works? Tell us what works. Save us all. Well, (laughs) I mean, you could only save yourself, but I could give you some things that might support. But one of the things that was most powerful for me in my journey was yoga was the beginning of it. But I started with Ashtanga yoga and Hatha yoga. I taught that for a little while. And I was always resistant to this third type of yoga that was like in the field. And it was called Kundalini yoga. I thought it was like very cult-like and coming from something that I considered to be cult-like, I was like, there's no effing way I want to be involved with that. There's a lot of weird stuff that goes on there. They're chanting, they're wearing white, they're like all... Yeah, it does have, uh, it has a few seeds for sure. There's some seeds for sure. And just like everything, there can be a way to create a cult in everything. Like that's what culture is. It's creating like these little experiences where everybody's in the same mindset. Everybody's in this following the same sort of paradigm. 
So I was really resistant to it simply because it seemed weird and different. And I thought I knew everything there was to know about yoga until I tried it one time and had an experience of myself that nothing else had been able to provide for me. And it wasn't like this blissful moment of like, I'm one with God. I see myself as like the light of the world or anything like that. It was pure rage in a way that I had never experienced before. And I had no idea that it was so close to the surface. But thinking about all of the repression in my life totally made sense. All of the times I had like bottled myself down, coming out as this experience of like rage simply by holding my arms in this position. Like we had our hands out and we were holding it for like, I don't know, a minute or something like that. Always like 47 minutes. When yeah. Kundalini. <laughs> it seemed like it was forever. And I was just like, the vile things that were going through my mind being projected at this teacher that were like, just everybody in this room isn't like, it was wild. And as we continued the Kriya and the practice, more things started to, to move and to shake until at the end, when we're lying in Shavasana in our final resting pose, there was this deep sense of peace and this like awareness of like, nobody did any of that to me. That was all generated from inside. So what is going on inside that I'm not aware of that can cause all of this stuff to happen? And immediately I was like, this just did something to me and I don't know what it was. So I went up to the teacher after and I was like, what was that? Like, what happened? And she's like, oh, it's that's, yeah, yeah cool. We're doing a teacher training if you're interested. I sign up right away. And <laughs> yeah. that was like the most transformative nine months of my entire life because through a simple series of practices of breath work, of just sitting in meditation, using mantra to change the frequency of my, my thought patterns, to create a container for me to experience myself in a different way was so profound. And it set my life on a completely different trajectory. At the end of those nine months, I was so clear on who I was. I was moving into this entire realm of consciousness that was aligned with my purpose, like my sense of destiny, my, my most authentic self. And it started to just open up doors because when we show up in our truth as our authentic beingness, everything that is meant for us starts to become magnetized to us. We're no longer trying to usurp someone else's power. We're no longer trying to like, like get our way by going around things or trying to manipulate circumstances. It's literally just our vibrational frequency that allows what is meant for us to be attracted to us. And we move through the world with so much more power. And so that began this journey that led me to writing a book, that led me to connecting with you, that led me to connecting to all of these next points that just spontaneously appeared in my path. And it put me in a completely different field. Like I felt like I was going from like the small pond of Ottawa to now I'm like a small fish in this big pond of like, now I'm apparently an author and I'm mentoring people. And I have this program that I'm teaching people like, who the hell am I? What the hell am I doing? And even though my life was so magical and things were unfolding in such a miraculous way, instead of relying on the things that got me there. So instead of like continuing with the practices, continuing with that sort of powerful meditation, I was like, I feel good. I don't actually need to practice it that much anymore. I don't really need to, to keep up with it. And I started to fill my life with other things. And slowly and slowly that indoctrination from the outside world started to crowd out that really deep, beautiful 
inner world that I had created for myself through devotion. And I found myself in that space of almost being lost again, of being like, oh, well, if I'm here and I want to go there and I I don't know how to get there, so I'm going to look around and see who has gotten there and I'm going to just jump on their bandwagon and maybe they'll they'll teach me how it is. So I spent a lot of money on coaches. I spent a lot of money on mentorship trying to get to the thing, all the while forgetting that I already knew how to do it. I just had to go back into that practice. And so about nine months ago or so, I got into this place again where I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, where am I? How did I get here? Hold on a second. Pump the brakes. It wasn't 30 years. It was like a shorter period of time. But I realized that I had sort of started to adopt this externalized focus instead of the internalized power that I had. And as soon as I released the ego from driving the ship, and I was like, okay, if I tune back into my soul, like in the most authentic way, without trying to get something. If I just listen, if I don't try to get the answer that I want, what is it telling me? And it literally was like, take a Kundalini class. And I was like, what? I mean, like I want something tangible, (laughs) but that started the process again. It was one class that just happened to be leading into a 40 day devotion. And then that 40 day devotion opened up all of these ideas. 40 days of Kundalini. Yeah. It's so powerful. Kundalini energy is like source energy, right? From your root chakra that shoots up your your body, right? People have like kundalini awakenings and stuff. Yeah. And so it's it's the the source energy of the universe basically that we all have. It's the thing that helps us to animate our highest potential in our lives. It lies dormant until we use our free will and our focus to activate it. And it's not a hard thing to start to activate or to become aware of. I've done several like activation series. We've done like a 40 day devotion where I was doing a meditation every morning on Instagram live at 6.30 AM. And there's like a hundred and something people that joined in for that, which was really cool. And the cool part is though, like I knew that I had this experience for myself, but through the activation was this inspiration to invite other people into it. And that was, again, one of those moments where I was like, am I going to be the weird girl? Like, I don't want to teach the weird yoga because it's weird. But when people started responding and the the messages that I got after that 40 days of meditations, people having their own transformative experiences just from doing an 11-minute activation every day, just from devoting time to sit with themselves and to have an experience of themselves in a way that they probably never have had before shifted so much for them. And I have some people still writing me saying, I'm now on day, I think there's one woman and she said she's on day like 98 or something like that. She's going for 120 days. When you have that experience of the power that's in you, even if it's just a little glimpse of it, even if it's just like a little flicker, it gives you enough impetus to continue tuning into that. And when you tune into that, on a regular basis, like with focus and devotion and determination, you save yourself from having these cockroach moments or you save yourself from getting to the point of being on a bench or from spending $100,000 on coaches. And you recognize that all of the answers, all of the wisdom, all of the things that you seek are from an internal point and you can access them and you can actually cultivate them to be these supports in your life that move you forward. Yeah, I remember asking Sherry Salata, who 
was the executive producer of Oprah, blah, 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 like friends with all these incredible teachers. And I remember her saying, I was like, all right, what is it that is like common between all of them that you've learned or that is their best, the main teaching? And she said, you know what? It's that you don't need them. And then she said, actually, let me correct that. You need them to remind you that you don't. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's so profound. It's like, we don't, sometimes we have to spend $100,000. Sometimes we have to do whatever it is. Actually, I would say every time we do it, we do have to do it. Like whatever we've done to get to the moment where we have an awareness, it comes in the perfect recipe because you could hear words from somebody and not at all understand what they're saying. But then years later, hear the exact same words and it just hits different because you're open, you're aware, you're searching. You know, that saying, it's like when the student's ready, the teacher arrives. I really so believe that. Like you ask for guidance and all of a sudden you're like, you're given Kundalini. I remember asking for a teacher. I just was like, I need someone's teachings that will help me navigate this. And then I got Martha Beck's book, The Way of Integrity. And she also has the one on leaving the Mormon church. That's fire. She is fire. But yeah, it's it's amazing what brings us to that state of, oh, yeah. And then it's... Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah. we don't all actually have to go through like the fire for it. There's some people like depending on, I don't know how familiar you are with human design, but it's like a system that is describes like a blueprint of the path that you are here to sort of explore and how you're meant to use your energy. Not all of us are meant to be a three, five, which is my profile line, which is basically the great experimenter that goes out and does these things at the edge. That's like, I'm going to do the really hard things, but don't worry, I'll give you a pathway so you don't have to do it. But there's an openness, like you said, like I've heard Kundalini before, many times before, but it wasn't the time for me to come back to it, even though I knew that it was available to me, like it still wasn't the time for me to come back to it. I had to go through the experiences of, again, of like forgetting, getting lost and then coming back to it. And to the point that you were saying earlier about the shame that comes from that forgetting, I think we forget that that's the whole point. Like we're born, we're incarnated into these human forms that we can experience our divinity. And the only way that we can actually do that is through the opposition of that. Like that's why we're here on earth. We own, like it's a feeling planet. We get to feel the entirety of the experience. And how do you know how powerful you are until you have felt weakness? How do you know how high something can go until you've felt the bottom of something? So the spiral of life, of the continual coming back around, the forgetting, the remembering, the forgetting, the remembering, like you said, it's never coming back to that same point as you were. You're coming back with the entirety of your experience and it's like this wider, more expansive level. So if you think about it starting at the beginning, like this little spiral, but over time, it's getting wider and wider. Your soul is expanding. Your consciousness is expanding. You have so much more experience. That's the whole point, to have the experience, to have the recognition of your power, which we all have, this innate divine power of the universe within us, but we only remember it in the dark. And then we allow it to brighten our lives and reflect out to others. But that's the journey that we're all on to help each other remember to, what's that saying? Is it Ram Dass that said, we're all just walking each other home. We're all just reminding each other that 
in me is this light, in you is this light. And if I can shine my light and you can reflect on you, sometimes it might burn you because you still want to be asleep, but it's available to you too if you want to wake up. Then we're in this interconnected web of collaboration that is really, I think, especially at this time, creating a revolution in consciousness. The more that we can wake ourselves up, the more that we can tune into that truth that is available to us, that power that is available to us, the more that we can see what we can do as our highest potential selves, the more everything gets elevated. It's not a selfish pursuit to look inward. It's not a frivolous thing to develop your personal self. I think it's a necessity, especially at this time, because otherwise, what else is there? We're just again, that external trying to find from other people who are trying to find from other people. It's like a house of cards that's really not foundational on anything. Well, to wake up in lives that we've created based on agreements we don't actually agree with and then to feel beholden to those things is, I mean, I think it's a great reason why people are depressed. It's a reason why people are anxious. You know, we, I don't know why I feel that way. It's like, yeah, because you learn to not, actually listen to numb yourself out yeah exactly which how common is that we live in the most unhealthy most out of shape most emotionally dysregulated mentally health challenged time in human history bar none not even a question and this is in the advent of quote-unquote medicine and that promises health an industrial food system, industrial marketing, industrial religion. You know, it's like all these things that are trying to, you know, treat us on scale like we're all the same and try to hack, you know, whatever it is we're trying to hack. Because humans, what I think is so sad about people is that we have this arrogance that we know better than the universe or or the planet or Mother Earth or just how it works, even if you don't identify with any of those words for you listening. But it's like in one moment, the world, the evolution can decide that something's not helpful and shift it in a second. Like plants do that all the time. Animals do that all the time. Us as a species have done that. And yet we think we're just going to bioengineer a couple cells or like do something. And everything's going to be fixed. But look at that. They now have shots for losing weight that have come out. There's like all these things that are about shortcuts to avoid the fucking suffering. Meanwhile, you're suffering because you're avoiding your suffering. So we have all these solutions, and I don't mean good solutions. We have all these solutions that we use to deal with the fact that we're not listening to our inner voice and our bodies. And then we're given a product to treat the solutions that aren't working. And it's just like, it's a giant fucking racket. And it pisses me off. But at the same time, I'm like, it's all perfect. <laughs> you know? It's, it's exactly. It's like, oh my God, this annoyingly ridiculous perfection. Like it's ridiculous. Right. It's inviting evolution. Yeah. Like we've never had more available to us in every sense of the word on this planet. Like there's so much available to us. Information, like everything is available to us. And we've also never felt so in lack or so empty. And it's because maybe we're looking for the wrong thing, or maybe we're looking in the wrong place for it. 
we're trying to avoid all of this discomfort. Our nervous systems have zero capacity to be able to navigate the overwhelming information and polarity that is also available to us. And so we start wars with people, whether it's like actual wars with within countries or wars with words on social media. People are feeling that sense of inadequacy and lack because they're hoping that something is going to save them from the fact that they're here to experience themselves. They're here to feel what it is to be human. And with that comes some discomfort. And without having a nervous system that can allow capacity to experience that discomfort, we're really not setting ourselves up for success. If all we want to do is be comfortable, then that's fine. But don't get mad at the people who are living their dreams and going outside of their comfort zones to have the things that that they desire because they're willing to push themselves. And that's one of the things that I learned from Kundalini Yoga. So you were saying like you hold everything for like 47 minutes or you do everything like 108 times and there's all these weird movements and it's repetitive and it's uncomfortable sometimes and it's it's helping it's a technology that helps to expand your capacity to feel. It helps to expand your sensitivity to be receptive to the internal nudges and to the external nudges that are coming your way. Because when we develop our sense of self, we develop this understanding that there is this interconnectedness. There is no avoiding anything. It's all part of the perfection, even though it might seem shitty or even though it might seem excellent. It really is just experience that we're able to have. So when we can recognize like the truth in everything, when we can recognize that there's nothing like for or against us. There's really just allowing us the experience of what we want to experience. We were talking about perception and suffering at the beginning. Like you can choose the perception that you view the world from and that will create your reality for yourself. And the way that you show up to that reality with the capacity you have to hold all of that reality is what's going to determine the creation of the next moment of reality for yourself. So the idea of like, the quick fixes and the shortcuts and the the trying to circumvent being a human and trying to circumvent aging, trying to, trying to circumvent helpful living and nutrition and what it takes to maintain a physical body temple, like a physical temple to be in optimum functioning in the world. It's our responsibility. Like nobody else, nobody else is meant to do that for us. It's meant for us to take ownership of and to create with. And if we're choosing to create comfort, that's one thing, but it's going to really limit us for the expansion process, which is automatically going to require you to get uncomfortable. Yeah. Hell yeah. And that, you know, it's, it's interesting that no matter how complex our journey is, like all the different fucking things we do, it literally health, vitality, wellness, all come back to the same fucking principles. Like be with your mind, eat nutritious foods, have nutritious relationships, use technologies like you're talking about, like Kundalini, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, cold plunging. I don't care what people do. Just have practices and rituals that you show up to because then you send the message to yourself that you're worthy of being shown up for. And like, these are such good reminders you're giving us. It's also really in a positive way triggering me <laughs> in that I'm like, yes, yes. Like, fuck, it's all so simple, but we make it so complex. Yeah. But it really isn't. 
Yeah. And the, the funniest part is like people who are like, oh my God, I don't have time to meditate. And I'm like, but then. Bro, you don't have time not to. <laughs> exactly. Like if you want to live, like it's funny to me that we try to bypass the things that are most helpful for us. Like I don't have time to eat healthy. I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time for this. It's really fucking time consuming to be depressed or super anxious. The amount of energy that you blow through with an anxious mind is catastrophic or having illness creep up because you're not able to take care of your own self. It's really actually a time-saving practice. And as you said, the devotion of showing up for yourself allows you to recognize the value, the inherent value that you have. And it allows you to actually recognize what's in alignment with you and your truth. From that place, you can start to create this new identity or just reinforce the identity that you already have if you're already in alignment and doing all the things. But we forget that like every day you have to take a shower, you have to wash your body because it gets dirty and because it's just the natural process of being a human. Why do we not think that we need to like cleanse our minds on a daily basis? Like we're constantly taking in so much shit, like from social media, from the news, from just like conversations that you'll pick up on. All of that stuff is getting imprinted into our minds. And we just think, oh, I'll just, I don't have time to meditate. I'm just going to keep going. Like you're thinking the same thoughts, like something like 99% of the thousands, tens of thousands of thoughts that you have are literally just a repetition of the thoughts that you had the day before. So if you're not taking account, if you're not considering the fact that you're bringing in a cleansing sort of experience, or you're like at least clearing some of those things, or at least being aware of the thoughts that you're thinking, you're perpetuating this constant old story and carrying it through in every moment of your life. So the greatest time saver, literally saving like the time in your life and creating more time for yourself to actually be fulfilled and free in your life begins with like a simple process of devotion. And it doesn't have to be Kundalini. It can be anything. Like you said, like cold plunges, it could be like sitting in nature. It could be journaling. It could be listening to music. It could be reading scripture or something that brings you into a moment of alignment with a higher frequency that is resonant with the divine self that you truly are inside. Something that reminds you of what and who you really are, which is so much more than just the meat suit that we think we are just moving through the world. There is, there is like seeds of the divine within us that are meant to be fully expressed in the world. Well, for people who are looking to navigate through that and, and create devotional practices, is there anything, I know you, you're speaking to the power of Kundalini for you and the power of ritual and devotion is there any other things that can be really helpful in both remembering and then moving through the burning, destructive, constructive? There's a the construction and destruction are, are similar ish. So, you know, as Kai, I remember said to me, let it be a good death. You know, so it's like, how do we do this with grace? Gosh, I think just if accepting humanity, <laughs> just accepting that. There's no badness, there's no wrongness, there's no brokenness within you. There's simply a chance to change your mind. And that is what gives you the opportunity to change everything moving forward. So it doesn't have to be something radical. It can really just start with a few moments of solitude with yourself. 
like start your day instead of the, what I call the roll and scroll where you like roll over, grab your phone and like immediately start scrolling, start the day off with just a few breaths, like hand on your heart, hand on your belly, connect to your body, feel that you are alive and let yourself breathe, like feel life moving through you and acknowledge that and just say like, okay, I'm alive. I'm here. And because I am, I can create whatever I desire. What do I desire to create? You can start your day off with that. And just that little bit of intention that you bring to the day, even though it might not change your life in the exact moment, or even though you might still go on to have like a crap day, if you can bring that every day with consistency, it's slowly starting to indoctrinate this new pathway, this new opportunity for you. The same way that we get indoctrinated with all of the bad habits and all of the things that aren't helpful for us or all of the things that take us away. So starting small with just like acknowledging yourself, doing a quick journal practice, a gratitude practice. You can start with just a few deep breaths, take a cold shower, or don't even hit the whole shower cold, just like the last five minutes, turn it to cold, just so that you have an experience of aliveness, a little bit of discomfort that you can move yourself through. And that gives you a sense of confidence of like, okay, I did that hard thing. I can do hard things. Let's take on the day in a way that I feel empowered instead of a victim. And that changes the entire frequency that you project. Beautiful. Thank you for those tips. And for the people listening, where can they find more of you? How do they find you, your words, your work, and all that kind of stuff? And we'll make sure we put all the links in the show notes. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm on social media at leah.brathwaite on Instagram. I think it's Leah Brathwaite on Facebook. I'm not the most frequent on Facebook. And my website is also leahbrathwaite.com. The book that I wrote is called A New Way of Life, A Guide for Transformation from Living a Lie to Freeing Your Soul, which you kindly and generously wrote the foreword to. That is available at any online book sellers. So pick your favorite and you can order it from there. And yeah, there's just a lot There's a a revival in my work and in what I'm sharing right now that I'm really, really excited about. And yeah, so lots of Kundalini stuff is coming through. There's also a lot of human design stuff coming through, but really recognizing that if I can point people back to themselves in a way that empowers them to continue to explore these aspects of themselves, then it feels like the greatest service that I can do to the world. And I do it for my own self first. So as I'm learning these things, as I'm experiencing them, I'm so excited to be able to share them. So that's that's a lot of what's coming through in my work right now. Well, the world is grateful that you are sharing them. Leah, thanks so much for coming back on. I appreciate you bringing this zest and vitality to people's hearts and ears and souls so that they can remember. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you infinitely. So great to be here again.